I should mention Tehona. That was my canine companion for eight years. Mm -hmm. And speak a little bit more about the, that whole dog self-rehabilitation process. Mm. Kind of left people hanging a little bit if, they don't, if I don't take that further. Um, <clears throat> so Tehona was, uh, she was on death row in Wyoming for killing chickens when I found her. And they were going to put her down as an untrainable dog. They tried all the alpha dog dictator type methods to try to get her from killing chickens. But um, she, they didn't realize that she was a predator, not responding well to prey as being prey, like, you know, a slave. And she owned the chickens. And they weren't doing ownership. And they weren't trusting. They were dictating and shame and punishment and um, <clears throat> trying the bribery and stuff. And they claimed they were really, really good dog trainers and they'd had this breed like a blue healer in their farm family for generations and generations. And they'd never seen an untrainable dog before. But she was one and they were gonna put her down. And I went to get her and they said, well, you should rescue some dog that's worth rescuing. We know what we're doing and this dog is, we're gonna, you know, we probably better put her down and you should find a dog She likes to work. eat chickens too much. Ding dong. Welcome back to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. This is an occasionally comedic, often mystical, poetic podcast about spirituality. On today's episode, we continue our ongoing conversation with David Sleeper. If you haven't listened to parts one and two of this conversation with mule trainer, dog whisperer, and natural mystic David Sleeper, I suggest that you do so. Take a suggestion or don't. Either way, I hope you enjoy. Another suggestion is to subscribe and share with your friends. Another suggestion is to enjoy. And so, enjoy. She likes to work. eat chickens too much. That was her fault. <laughs> well, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. Um, she wouldn't become a good slave, is the way I'd say it. Good prey mm. to the dictatorship. Mm -hmm. It's like a mule. If you horse train a mule, they get stubborn and resistant. Or, right. Or a kid or a dog sometimes. Yeah. I mean, because people don't like to be, you know, having that kind of relationship. So, um, I got her. And the next day, I caught a morning dove. Um, that night, I took her to... I was a manager of a sanctuary for research animals, 1,000 acres in Wyoming. And uh, I just put a chair outside with a blanket on it outside my window. And she was outside the first night and from there on. Um, <clears throat> so she had a choice of, do I stay with this guy? I love his energy. He's not... He's not trying to fix me and change me and force an identity on me at all. And I like, I like being around his consciousness. And so instead of like letting her in my house or under my bed or something like that, um, her job is really to grow up and protect these sheep we had there from all the coyotes and a pair of black wolves that would come visit too. At any rate, um, uh, she spent that first night in a chair outside where I'm sleeping just inside. any rate, I caught a morning dove the next day and I brought it into my house and her. And um, 
<clears throat> I'd already owned my house with some uh, some beef jerky, like I mentioned before in the last video, mm -hmm. last uh, podcast. Um, and so I own my space, and I'm trusting, but I'm not giving instructions and all that sort of thing. So I catch this morning dove and bring it into the house, and then I own it, and I back up and trust, and it flies up into the window crazy-like, you know, just pushing all of her it's-my-prey buttons. But since she doesn't have ownership, and I did, she leaves it alone. Mm. I'm sure the people who were trying to make her do that with chickens would have just couldn't believe it. How Did easy it was. Did she see you do <clears throat> so to claim ownership over the dove? Did she see that happen when you like, I guess you put your hands out and then you make that sound? She saw that? Or yeah, was you're, it? You're basically what you're really trying for is the pharaoh. But be in your highest form mm -hmm. and owning something that you can't be looking at the dog <clears throat> or trying to micromanage it because then, then it's not the gift. Mm -hmm. Then you're still back to trying to force an identity or something, trying to manipulate somebody. Mm -hmm. This is where you're indifferent to them, but you show ownership to something. And so you're using the sound, which is the universal sound of ownership. You're using the hand gestures. You've got your palms out as a way of claiming, in this case, this morning dove that's freaking out in the window, just flap, 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 flap. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so really pushing the prey drive, the predator buttons. And then as soon as I can back up, that's where the real power comes. The sound is saying I have ownership, the hands, the energy. And then when I back up, I'm trusting. And that's where the real, that's, that's where it really all happens. Mm -hmm. is when you pull away your if, you're ho if I'm hovering over the bird trying to protect it from the predator then I'm back to the separation so to speak so I guess what I'm asking is <clears throat> does the dog need to see that you've claimed ownership or if you've already put out the pheromone and claimed ownership and then the dog were to walk in then it would sense that you already had owned mm -hmm. the space <clears throat> or does it need to see you do it well it's it's kind of a combination. Everything's different. You know, and this thing about every dog is different, different personalities. Every living situation is different. Mm. It could be an apartment, could be on a ranch, et cetera. Kind of all those things. There's, there's not like, the main thing is for people to think before they act. Right. And, and look at the paradox. Look at them. And we talked about that. Uh, stop it, things. Stop and think. Observe the paradox. Intuit and transform. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> If the if the the human is just trying to what sleeper say next you know and all just trying to become a good horsey to my instructions, eh, it'll probably work. But it's still best when they 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 see the truth of it and then own it themselves. When they have self ownership, then you can own other things. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, you know everything that you're <clears throat> saying. I know you relate it to children as well and I think about one specific person I know who grew up in a home that was definitely like dominating you know a, a home of addiction and uh, this person had trauma from that home and then also was dominated over and constantly like 
go to your room, right? And then like send off to a rehabilitation place, which was like religiously based and just like more like reinforcement of that, like do what we say, follow these rules. And then this person, you know, <clears throat> has been in and out of jails and institutions their entire life and, you know, naturally became an addict themselves. And, you know, in a way it kind of breaks my heart. Like I'm getting kind of emotional thinking about it. You know, it's like, is there hope for people who have been through that? Like, how do people, like if somebody's been in that situation themselves, like, and is like this wounded animal <clears throat> essentially, like, what is the process of rehabilitation for a, a human being that doesn't involve, you know, conforming to rules? Because, you know, our, our prison system doesn't rehabilitate, right? So, like, what's another way, like, for an individual to rehabilitate themselves or to go through a process of rehabilitation? If the institutions or the authorities or the parents or the religion, etc., aren't doing what I call ownership and trust, then the, the lack of sense of self, the, the person won't be able to see themselves clearly. They'll see themselves as needing to perform to avoid punishment, things like that. And so <clears throat> the shift is in where something, whether they find it on their own or they come across somebody, they'll actually trust them to solve the puzzle and, and um, where they can they can move into that trustworthiness. And like I said before, the next step is consciousness. And the next step is you have your own morality. You wouldn't do something not because you would get in trouble or you're not performing right. It's because it's not who you are. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't make a poor choice because you don't make, you try not to make poor choices anymore for yourself. And then once you see yourself clearly, then you can see, you know, the realities around you more clearly you can't see yourself clearly then all you see is you don't even know if it's dysfunction or what you maybe just feel that you're dysfunctional because you're not fitting in mm. on and then you could really go into I need to self-medicate because mm -hmm. I feel so dysfunctional because everything around me that it you know <clears throat> like I mean, look at a, a, a cathedral you know they built this huge church and full of doctrines and dogmas and and people in robes, and, and that must be true, and I must be the problem if I can't fit in with that. Mm -hmm. Or like an institution where they got, you know, wardens or <laughs> counselors or, or whatever, and they're all trying to force that identity of obedience on me. I must be the problem. Mm -hmm. And it's further isolation. Yeah, so it makes it really hard for them to come out of that unless they can find some kind of where they can, you know, like that's where meditation is good, you know, to be able to be calm and see clearly. Another way to do it would be if there was a, a hill nearby or a mountain or just some place where you could get up higher and kind of look down on your life and see mm -hmm. it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. When you're there in the midst of the jungle of it all, it's hard to get perspective. Some way to, whether through meditation or actually just... Um, if, say if you're going to climb a mountain to think about your life, 
and you plan ahead of time and you you make the preparations and get your food in order and then you get up early and you're going to climb this mountain when you get to the top you're going to think about your life and try to get some because it's just chaos you don't know what to do and you put all this energy into it and by the time you get there you've transformed yourself already mm. and then you look ideally the you, where you live is down below so you can just look from this perspective and now your problems down there just seem so different mm. than when you were right in the middle of it the first time i went <clears throat> into a 12-step meeting for myself um one of the women gave the suggestion that i just do something a little different she was like just part your hair like the other way <laughs> or i've heard you know like brushing your teeth with your left hand, mm -hmm. if you're right-handed. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So just shifting like that perspective. So even if somebody doesn't have a mountain nearby that they can go climb, right? But just any small thing even starts to shift the perspective just a little bit. So, you know, I know a lot of people feel really overwhelmed at like meditation, right? Like how, you know, to sit still for five minutes or 10 mm -hmm. minutes, it's just, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, so even just like, I like that approach of just doing something a little bit different to just get a slightly different perspective on your life. And I try to do that as well. Just sometimes maybe drive a different way home or like go inside, go in through the back door. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, just doing like wearing some, a different color than I normally would wear or anything you can do, I think in terms of moving towards the paradox because mm -hmm. the truth seems to be hiding in plain sight in the opposites mm -hmm. of how we were horse trained right <clears throat> so instead of like god being defined by religion and being out there and i have to be good horsey to have god come and accept me or or um have god believe in me that i'm actually worth saving or something <clears throat> Well, what's the opposite of that? The paradox. Well, the creator is within. Mm -hmm. It's my soul. And it's experiencing as I experience. Right. And, or, you know, just so that the paradox is the, is the treasure. Mm -hmm. um, in the separation, we're looking for the, <clears throat> the opposite of the separation, which is the oneness. Mm -hmm. So Jesus had that Christ consciousness. And then the separation needed to crucify him and kill him because that separation doesn't do consciousness it does obedience the I and using fear to do it um there's <clears throat> a gnostic gospel from what's called the nag hammadi library so these are like mystical texts attributed to jesus some of them and there's one that's called the gospel of thomas where there's a <clears throat> saying that <clears throat> jesus says what you want is already right before your eyes. <laughs> I like that. And I keep coming across this idea that, right, if there's no separation, then there's no difference between objective and subjective reality. So there's no, there's no subject that's separate from the object. And so my external, what appears to be my external reality is like a reflection of my inner reality and, and vice versa. And so I think even when people say that, you know, your house or your car are like a reflection of your mind, 
And that's not to be like any shame because sometimes your house just gets fucking messy, you know, and it's like, I'm busy, you know? And so it's like also giving myself that grace and not just like feeling shame. Like when I look at like my life being in shambles, like I've heard this saying that when things seem like they're falling apart, they're actually falling together. And so it's like that shift in perspective is so important. And so it's again, like doing something different, recognizing that if I start to feel like I'm separate from everything else, that can be like a pivot point to be like, if I start to feel really alone or lonely, like how can I, how can I recognize that I'm not actually alone? It's just the mind like reifies these patterns of thinking and we get stuck in this Mm -hmm. like crystallized thinking that Mm -hmm. like this is all there is. And then society reinforces that separation. And so another way of saying it is like when when things look the worst, the most progress Mm -hmm. could be made. Mm. So like when if we're in we're in the separation, we're horse trained, we're codependent, we're performing for others, we're living like victim prey to other people's opinions and the religion's opinions and the authorities and and we're trying to be good horses so we don't get punished or shamed and and then we can get the bribe etc cetera, etc cetera. and then along comes a tragedy um and now it's like oh no I ho-. but that tragedy might be the biggest gift we could have right we need our world turned upside down because it is upside down and backwards and so the tragedy comes along as a as a as a master teacher in the in the class we're in in the school of hard knocks, we normally see it, you know, as a real tragedy, because <clears throat> we only think there's only one lifetime or maybe, or we don't realize the timelessness of our own soul. We don't really we've forgotten because it's we this is a planet of separation. We forgot that we're here on our mission. Mm. And the divine is supporting us on our mission. Mm-hmm. And so tragedy is a, is a real important part of being able to find that peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. It's like the alchemization process. It's like, how can I take what appears to be lead, what appears to be this garbage, right? And how can I alchemize it and turn it into gold? And there is, I do believe there is divine intervention And that's where the principle of open-mindedness and being open is so important for me and my path in terms of surrendering what I believe to be true and being able to allow divinity to speak to me, whether it's through other people or how can I just let go of what I assume to be a tragic situation, right? Like my dad died like the day after I left to go away to school, right? Which is like, it's too eerie to be a coincidence, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because if he hadn't died, then I wouldn't have really gotten into therapy and gotten the help that I needed to help me work through, Mm -hmm. you know, and put me on this path. And I also maintain a belief that the dead are still with us because in terms of the separation, right? Like that the body is just, we're just stuck in these like three or four dimensions of like what we can perceive, but there's actually a lot more out there. But society reinforces to us this 
this material reality of separation, right? And so you have to like look this certain way, right? And it's like, it keeps us small and it keeps us in a place of shame so that our view becomes so narrow and we become closed off. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. And then we're gifted with ignorance. <laughs> right. Um, and then it's hard to function from that point. So like when, when Jesus was on the cross, as, as the stories have come down, the things that he said, um, so that's a real tragedy thing. You know, I mean, he comes and he's trying to uplift humanity, and the Pharisees decide he has to be not only murdered, but tortured, et cetera, et cetera. Carry the cross, you know, whipped, jeered, on and on, and then finally hang there until you die of pain, basically. And, unable to breathe it's a horrible horrible experience and so and then the the cross became the symbol of salvation for me the cross is the symbol of look what this planet does to somebody like Jesus because the separation is so profound here so for me the 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 chalice is more of the symbol the all-encompassing the interconnectedness where you can drink creation so to speak drink the creative force drink with the creator versus needing to be saved from god by a savior who took on all our responsibilities and our choices our bad choices etc and then they just went away we don't have to be learning from them Mm. because now we're saved and so it's a kind of a real religious setup but it becomes normalized, and of course, the divine still works through that. I mean, if that's your paradigm. Right. That, you know, if you right. if you want to see an angel and you think angels have wings, they'll probably show up with wings. Right. <laughs> right, because the divine speaks to us in languages that we already understand. So whatever our vocabulary is is how the divine speaks to us. So in my own personal path, you know, expanding that vocabulary is really important because then I can expand my experience and knowledge of the divine, which ultimately ironically comes to a place of not knowing. And so I take all this information that I know and then I cast it into the fire and ultimately like forget everything, right? Because the divine inherently is completely incomprehensible. Right. 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 But, you know, I like what you mentioned about the chalice, because that brings me to, you know, the idea of like the feminine nature. Right. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, the cup represents our emotions. That's the womb. Yeah, exactly. And so that I believe, you know, the great mother has been divorced so much from, you know, our interpretation of Mm -hmm. the divine, even though it's funny because the Virgin Mary. Right. Like so it's like she still shows up. And so even the Catholic, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, because even the Catholic Church doesn't know where the rosary came from, right? Like, they're like, we don't know. She just sort of shows up. And then she apparently, like, visions of the Virgin Mary, like, are a lot more common than Mm -hmm. people even, because not everybody's just, like, you know, attribute, like, calling the news and being like, come look at, you know, the Virgin, because she does still show up. But, you know, it's like, our traditional religions and especially like the Protestants, you know, have like really like tried to keep her down. And so that comes back to like, you know, our patriarchal kind of society, like say what you will, but it's, it's the reality of the situation. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it's like, don't confront your feelings. Right. Mm-hmm. Because our feelings like through that cup, right. 
through our emotions are actually like, that's one way that we can get through things. And so like feeling the pain of the trauma, being able to cry and like be in touch with your emotions, right? Because we all have like masculine and feminine aspects of ourselves. And so when we're repressing that feminine aspect of ourselves, we become imbalanced, right? And then we, I mean, all kinds of issues come up from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So imagine Jesus on the cross and in the school of hard knocks on this planet of transformation, his goodness and his evolution and his life mission, whatever that was, ends up leading to the obvious thing that'll happen. If you come with much consciousness here, the separation's gonna get you. Mm -hmm. and, and Jesus himself wasn't, it's like even with his Christ consciousness, the way the separation is then took over and created a religion about him that tied him in with the Old Testament definition of deity and made that his father, et cetera, et cetera, and became established. Jesus' consciousness wasn't enough to overcome that separation mm -hmm. that now is pretending to have all the answers and all the absoluteness and all the inerrantness and, and the word of God, you know. Mm. Paul wrote some letters, and now it's the word of God. And, and, and yeah, some guy, right? <laughs> it, it just... <laughs> It, so, and like when Mary shows up, when, when, and, and she has many faces. Yeah. I, I'm, she's a good friend. And um, it's like she goes into costume to fit that paradigm. And she's not coming in and saying, guess what? Really, there is no hell. There's more than one lifetime or something like that. They're not coming to solve our puzzles for us. Mm-hmm. We know these things when we're doing our life review and we're aware of our other lifetimes. We know what our mission was after we pass, transition, stuff like that. But while we're here, we're in that separation. And it's our job to, to not be saved, but to solve the puzzles. Mm -hmm. Look around and see mm -hmm. that a lot of things are a Santa Claus story. Mm -hmm. They're... they're <clears throat> They're like an old wives' tale. Excuse that expression. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, old wives. Sorry. <laughs> I probably won't do that one ever again. <laughs> I'm here to evolve. But um, uh, that was funny. Mm -hmm. At any rate, uh, things get established. And you always had the booger man. You know, the, you're a parent. The kids are messing up. Go to bed or the boogeyman will get you. Mm. Where is he? He's under your bed or he's in the closet. Yeah. Um, he only gets bad boys or whatever. And then you have this fear of, so you behave. You know, Santa Claus only gives presents to the good boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've lost our wildness. <clears throat> We're so domesticated. Like, mm -hmm. we have to good be, be clean shaven and look, look within this certain, like, framework, right? Otherwise, we're gonna, even in terms of, like, women and their bodies. Like, you know, there's, thank God you know, thank the blessed mother, like for this reawakening of, you know, these different appreciations of the women's bodies. Because I know for me, like when I developed an eating disorder, when I was like 17, and I know so many women that have because of this expectation that you have to look like Audrey Hepburn, right? Mm -hmm. And be, she was anorexic. She was sick, mm -hmm. right? From Hollywood, which is a sick-ass institution, not in a good way. It's, like, run by pedophiles and the mafia, right? And, like, is trying to program our society's thinking to reify these patterns that serve their ultimate purpose. And so they feed off the shame that 
us as individual divine lights of the creator, right? They take our perception and have us point our divine perception at their reality and cause us to feel shame so that they take our vital force to feed their reality. So this is like, I mean, it's a deep kind of, a lot of people don't really talk about it, you know, obviously, but it's like, you know, so there has been this reawakening of the appreciation of the female form so that, you know, women can be different sizes and shapes, but think how much shame and how much time it's taken us for, e for us to even get to this point, you know? Well, look how, how to, how to say this exactly. So like <clears throat> the separation has been really, really strong. Look at, I mean, it really kind of in, in many ways sort of like defeated Jesus's mission, his energy to uplift and enlighten humanity and have a real relationship with the creator. It sort of twisted it all around. And so the creator still works within the religions, of course, right? but doesn't, doesn't come in to solve the puzzles for us because that's, that's why this is, this planet is such a great place of transformation mm. is because it's, it's rough here yeah. and it's hard for consciousness to, and then so all that got established. You had the Puritans, you had the, I mean, there's people that believe if you blow up a whole bunch of people with a suicide belt in a, in a marketplace, innocent people even, I mean, et cetera, that, that you'll get blessed with 73 virgins. Mm. Like, what? I mean, everything, it's so upside down and backwards. But when your life is kind of worthless and you're in a culture, you don't have your own identity, it's horse training, horse training, horse training. Yeah. Now you can be a hero by doing some dastardly deed. This is like the cardinals in the, the Spanish Inquisition. There, it could be from one to three million women that, and, and history's kind of absolved them. Mm -hmm. Because it was a church doing this, we don't really you know, talk about it that much. When Hitler did it, we talk about that. Mm -hmm. But we can't go against the church. But there was, you know, women were herbalists or, or dealing with um, healing and stuff like that. And we don't want women to have power. Exactly. That is really threatening. And so they're creating all these pharaohs and of disgust and building up the people. And mm -hmm. just like at the crucifixion, crucify him. Now it's burn the witch. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. And so we have all these examples, like the crucifixion of Christ, that, that all the different things have happened and especially to women throughout history, to show the resistance the separation has towards consciousness and interconnectedness and oneness. Mm -hmm. And so when you, along comes the age of information, woo! now since our power in big medicine, big religion, big government, et cetera, et cetera, is not balanced with love and humility, that power is already corrupted. Yeah. And then along comes the age of information, then so that power gets exponentially more corrupted. Yeah. And that's what we're kind of dealing with today. Um, a prosperity preacher can have lots of mansions and lots of airplanes, and those, there's poor little old ladies in there giving him her rent money so they can be saved, mm -hmm. and uh, he takes it gladly. Yeah. Um, that's his scam, that's his deal. And so when he gets together in fellowship and he calls on the divine, 
you know, it shows up. Right. And then everybody assumes he must be, because we don't understand how that works. You call on the divine, the divine shows up. Whether you're, whatever religion you might be. Yeah. It don't matter. Yeah, you call on that power. You can it calls up to be it. helpful. Yeah. And the best help it can do is help you see yourself clearly so you can see your religion, your reality, et cetera, clearly. So that's really, but, they, but also the divine is not there to save because you're on your own mission. You came into the, you volunteered to incarnate on this planet. So that's kind of like a real privileged thing. I mean, you, wow, you really bit off a lot. Yeah. So when you're in the middle of the class in the School of Hard Knocks and you're having trouble and you say, God, save me. And God says, I can't, it's your mission. Yeah, it's like when I developed the eating disorder, it was as a result <clears throat> of fasting because I've always been spiritually inclined. And so when I developed the eating disorder as the result of a fast, I was so shocked when I would pray and ask God to save me from mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But like, and so then I turned away from that organized religion, that institution, but I always still had a concept of a higher power. I just knew that perhaps it wasn't just this like narrow section of it. I mean, I had always been sort of onto it, you know, like, the gay bashing and the hatred of women. And, you know, I was, I was sort of privy to that mm -hmm. even at that age. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes people throw the baby out with the bathwater and say like, Oh, because a religion or <clears throat> denomination has these certain dogmas that are attached, therefore God doesn't exist. And they throw away the entire concept of a higher power. Mm -hmm. right. And even whenever I say God, it's like, I don't even, like I try to not even use that word mm -hmm. because that's not really what I'm talking about right. when right. I'm talking about God. And so a lot of people are turned off by that whole notion. And so, you know, I, I prefer the term like divinity mm -hmm. itself, right? Or like, the divine like a like a channel of this river of the of divinity that that does flow through everything and so even if like just like you were saying it's like even if a religious institution d does have a certain level of corruption like is that not also part of the divine right and so like to believe that this life is all that there is and that this is my only shot is also a narrow view. And so it can be sort of maybe hard to swallow for some people, but this isn't like, if you don't get it this time around, like apparently there will be many more chances, <laughs> <laughs> infinite chances. But then also if you look at the planet as a whole over time, and if we have had many incarnations, and then if we do destroy it, it looks like we're certainly already kind of pretty much doomed um, because of the lack of consciousness to, to, to save the planet by changing ourself. <laughs> mm, yes. You know, that's the, that's the, versus say coming up with some technology so we can keep ourselves in the separation while we save the planet because we put a certain chemical in the air or something, you know? Right, because if there's no separation, then whatever work that I do inside myself gets reflected into the outside world. So just think in this in terms of, a, um, like our, our nation is only 200 and some years old, you know? I mean, we're, in terms of geologic time, look what's happened in those 200 years. I've lived 71 of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Um, I've certainly seen a lot of changes. And, 
and look what's happening. So imagine we have these different lifetimes, we destroy the planet. I mean, the planet will still survive. You know, millions of years later, it'll perk back up again and, and all the toxins and pollutions, eventually even the, the uranium and stuff that have half-lives of you know, half a million years or two million years, over time, the planet will survive. It could be certainly different, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we can start over, see if we can destroy it again, or maybe we can learn better this time. So like, there's a concept of, of say, one lifetime and what your mission is and what you can learn and how you can grow and how you can move from the separation towards the oneness. There's also be a concept then of a life of a planet. How many incarnate, because we're the, we're the infection on this place. <laughs> you know, we're the one that's causing the trouble. Um, the mosquitoes suck your blood, but they're not destroying the planet. Mm. Um, and it's, it's because we have that free will and our free will throughout the history of this planet has really made these choices to go towards creating deities of the separation, creating deities as horse trainers, patriarchal world. We've made these choices. We've made these religions. And then they, each time we incarnate, there they are. We're facing what we created. And then over time, if we destroy the whole place, and now we're in that dimension we call heaven, and we're aware of all of our lifetimes, we're aware of how we, instead of one lifetime review, we're looking at all our lifetime review and how we destroyed a planet. Mm. And we mostly use religions to do it, mm. to separate us from the oneness, to keep us in the separation, and to not see a life as a challenge, a mission, a test. Someone pushes our buttons, that, oh, that's my master teacher, I have a button. They, they, they showed me I have a problem here because if someone can push my button, then I'm still codependent. Mm. I'm still victim, prey of somebody else's behavior. I'm not able to move into that oneness where they can't push my button because for one, I don't even have to forgive them and I'm not even judging. Right. I see clearly, oh, bless their heart. Boy, they're having a rough incarnation. And that could be me or was me or, you know, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. Or is me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, there's not a us and them thing going on here. That's another aspect of the creator. Um, and uh, I can't say that, oh, it's because they're not an old soul or they're less evolved or something. It's whatever they took on on this mission. Mm. We, can, we can be extremely evolved and then take an aspect of ourself and come down so we can really be challenged. And even in this life, it's, I was just reading about this today in a daily reader um, of 12 Steps, which is like that in terms of my recovery, that I have to, for me, daily surrender and put myself on this spiritual path. Because if I stop, then I'm gonna, I can go back to where I was. Like, go back class. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's not the all just- Same lessons all over again. Yeah, like they say like yesterday's serenity doesn't carry over to today. Same like, master teachers pushing your buttons yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, I end up, I could go, I could you easily- go back several classes. I could easily go <laughs> back in relationships. Like I, you know, I was, you know, my, my ex-boyfriend, just like a huge, like, you know, teacher and partner for me and, Still, it's been, you know, a year and a half since he and I have been together. And, you know, if I didn't have 
a higher power and a guidance from, you know, a fellowship and a community to be able to speak to me, then I would end up, I could end up easily trying to call him, Mm -hmm. trying to save him, going back to that same pattern, because I still feel that same pull. Mm -hmm. But luckily, by the grace of divinity, have at least tools and awareness that's like, I don't have to go back. I can continue to move forward. I can consciously choose to surrender those thoughts and that inclination and, you know, to continue to heal that part of myself. Really, and get just back into the saddle of what your mission is. Mm-hmm. To make forward progress versus jumping off the saddle right. and going back in time and redoing another class again. But yeah. if that's what you need to do, that's all fine too. There's no mm-hmm. judgment, see? Right. And sometimes we're in the same class all our whole lifetime. We never get out of it. Totally. The same master teachers, the same lessons, the same buttons being pushed, the same religion that we're not seeing clearly, the same self we're not seeing clearly, the same others, the reality we're not seeing clearly. We're drinking the Kool-Aid all over the place as victim prey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're it's not. Like- we're not in. We don't have that sense of self to anchor and see clearly. Mm. And then when you get that sense of self. You know, be still and know God, then you see that that aspect of the creator is there in your soul, learning and experiencing with you, experiencing creation and being challenged and tested as you are in ways that the creator as a whole would never be begin to be challenged or tested. Mm. So they get to experience through all the different souls, all the different life forms and all the different aspects of creation on this planet and this galaxy and on and on and on. Mm. So... The, the creator has really made something, it seems like, and I don't know nothing, but that um, it's just full of experiencing. <laughs> yeah, right. And challenges, and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And releasing that, the guilt and the shame that keep us in that spiral of degradation and hatred and separation. Because if I, say if I were to relapse, right, um, you know, I could get stuck in that shame and then not realize that I could come out of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, when people relapse, it's like they just need to try it again and just see if it's one more time, like, is it still unmanageable, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so, because for today, and that's why I love the idea of like, it's just today, like the past few days, I've been kind of saying to myself, like, today is the best day of my life. Mm-hmm. It's all there is. Mm-hmm. I can let go of the past. I don't have to cling to it. And I don't have to worry about what tomorrow brings. And that's the profundity of, you know, certain Christian teachings, right? Is like, mm-hmm. let tomorrow worry about itself. And mm-hmm. sometimes people try to, you know, intellectualize and say, well, does that mean you shouldn't? work and save money and it's like well i don't know i mean maybe who knows Mm -hmm. who knows right but i don't have to worry about it because it's not real well your worry maybe in general usually worry is based on the belief in tragedy which is the opposite of trusting the process Mm. and so we don't have a personal mission we're just victim prey of concepts that are telling us how we have to be or how we have to perform, or how we can get our addictions met. When we're victim prey, then, there's just, then everything's a tragedy or an avoidance of tragedy. 
maybe through a substance. Mm -hmm. You're avoiding the tragedy by self-medicating. Or relationships. Except, you know, love me because I don't love myself. Come here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's okay, baby, you know, and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. So I just want to go back to that thought, like, if someone comes in, like, with the consciousness that Jesus had into a, a religion of the separation, like the one he was born into, uh, that religion, if he stirs up too much paradox, is going to take care of him. He's going to fight him. He's going to try to stop that consciousness. That's a given. So when you look at the planet's health as a whole and the history of it, if, if, if the separation of this planet crucifies Christ's consciousness, it will also crucify the planet. Because it's so powerful and it's so everywhere. If Jesus couldn't change it much, you know, and then the religion I mentioned before, they made two big mistakes. They created a religion about Jesus and then got dogmas and doctrines that don't evolve in absolute words and all this sort of stuff. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> and then yeah. they, sure. they even, until they wouldn't get stoned, they wouldn't get crucified. They brought in the, like, took the Pharisees off the hook instead of looking clearly at the religion they all came from as good religious people, they brought that religion into the new religion about Jesus and made Jesus and the old guy be one, the old definition of deity be one and the same. Now the separation has totally turned upside down and backwards Jesus' message and they created hell and they created um, only one lifetime and salvation and the only way you can get to God and not suffer eternity is to be a good horsey and repent all your sins, not really learn from them, not evolve, not, but just to be a good, obedient horsey, and then Jesus will save you from the Old Testament dude. Hmm. So the evidence is all there if we just can look, but if we don't have enough sense of self to look, then we keep fighting consciousness, progress, change, and we will definitely destroy the planet. But when we see that as a whole someday, when we're in that dimension we call heaven and with, with all our human friends we've been incarnating with and making these decisions and, and having all these different lifetimes and different cultures and different sexes and different races and, and um, there'll be a incredible learning opportunity because instead of just having one lifetime of say poor choices we're having many many lifetimes and we end up destroying a planet because of it. But it doesn't mean it's bad. Right. It's all opportunities to really experience the separation and see what it really is like. How powerful is that separation? Mm-hmm. What can it do to free will? What can it do? And then just my theory is that it kind of all started with men breaking horses mm. and then using the same techniques on their wife and the kids and the doggies. Mm-hmm. And then defining their deities as horse trainers. Right. This concludes part three of my interview with David Sleeper. Thank you for listening to A Thousand Serious Moves. Make sure to share with your friends and subscribe so that you can receive the next episode, which would be part four of my interview as well as future episodes. If you'd like to support this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com 
slash ATSM for a thousand serious moves. You can also purchase art from my Etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash Haniel777. That's H-A-N-A-E-L-777. And while we're here, if you reside in Marfa or in far west Texas, I will be doing tarot readings on Memorial... Wait, Labor Day weekend. So that'll be Saturday... Um, September 4th and possibly Sunday, September 5th, and that'll be at the Wiener Town Marketplace. So come on by, get yourself a tarot reading, or purchase some Florida water or other magical supplies that I will be selling. So enjoy, subscribe, share, and I'll catch y'all later.